Hey, we're back. This is Joe and TJ from the Schoolhouse 302, and you're listening to our Focus Ed podcast. Focus Ed is your educational leadership podcast. In every episode, it's our mission to focus on one aspect of teaching and leading in school so that you can make progress in your district, school, or classroom with even more knowledge, better understanding, and a clear direction on what to do next for your students and staff. In each show, we ask an expert guest to join us and we dissect their work and tons of other information about leading better and growing faster in schools. We're only doing 14 episodes per school year and we hope you'll listen to all 14. The guest list is incredible. Don't miss a single show and do us a favor. Please like, share, and follow Focus Ed on SoundCloud, iTunes, and our website, theschoolhouse302.com. And now for another episode of Focus Ed. Each episode of Focus Ed, we invite expert guests to join us. In this episode, we have Jethro Jones, who we consider a friend with a focus on being a transformational principal, design thinking, and really the school of the future. Welcome to the show, Jethro. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Excellent. TJ, why don't you tell our audience a bit more about Jethro? Thank you for that, Joe. Jethro Jones is a 2017 NASSP Digital Principal of the Year. He's a former principal and current host of the Transformative Principal Podcast. If you're not listening to that podcast, you need to be. He is also the founder of the Center for Cyber Ethics, an independent nonpartisan educational institute dedicated to the study and promotion of cyber ethics. Jethro is the author of the book, School X, How Principals Can Design a Transformative School Experience for Students, Teachers, Parents, and Themselves. We're going to talk about that today. He currently helps principals, schools, and districts find simple solutions to complex problems. Jethro has worked as a principal at all K-12 levels. He has served the profession in several roles, including his work in a prison school as a district coach, as the distance learning team lead, and as an English teacher, we share that background. You can find more about Jethro and his work at the transformativeprincipal.com. That's transformativeprincipal.com. We'll link to it in the show notes. Okay, Jethro, we want to jump right in. You wrote the book. It's called School X. In the book, you talk about design thinking, the design thinking process, and that principals should be builders and designers, not just managers or even leaders. Can you say more about that and what you mean by it to get us started today? Yeah, I've kind of made a hierarchy of leadership. So there's the warm body, which is somebody who you just put in because you need a person in a position. And I don't think anybody wants a warm body for a school principal. Sometimes that's what has to happen, though. And then you have someone who's a manager who's basically just putting out fires all the time. That's their job is to just manage and make sure nothing goes wrong. And there's sometimes a real great need for that. Then we have the next level up, which is a leader, which is someone that has a vision, has a purpose for the school, a place they want to go and a way to get there. And that's great also. But I think the next level up is someone who is designing. And this is the pinnacle, someone who's designing the school 
for the people who are actually there. So no matter what you do in schools, you're going to get a new group of kids next year. And the designer is the one who adapts the school to meet the needs of the kids that are there, to meet the needs of the staff that are there, and to meet the needs of themselves as the principal, as people and groups change over time. Jethro, if you would, we would like to get a little granular. The listeners uh, to this podcast, as you know, predominantly um, are administrators, people in, in the trenches right now. How do we grow through those levels, especially from the leader to the design? And, you know, if you would also touch on, you know, not only the, the process, like the self-growth, what it looks like getting to that point, but then also like during a time of COVID, you know, I, I find it very hard, very much like Maslow's hierarchy. You know, it's hard to worry about some of those higher order areas when you're really in a world that we're in now, even though it's, it's slightly in our rearview mirror, but it's still hanging on desperately. Yeah. How, how do you get to that point? Yeah, the principles that I work with on a regular basis in, in my mastermind that I run with them, they're struggling with this question also. And it's something that everybody wants to be done with the pandemic, but we're still not quite there. And so we still have to deal with the things that are happening. And that's just a part of life as a principal. You got to deal with what comes at you. So getting becoming a designer is like becoming fit. You don't do it with one fell swoop. You do it by the small daily habits that you have. And that's where I think the, the book School X really helps people figure that out. Because I'm not telling you to go in and change your whole entire school. I'm telling you to take one little thing and make it a little bit better. That's it. And that's actually really manageable. So if you improve one thing, like James Clear says in Atomic Habits, by 1% every single day, then you're going to overall net have this huge impact. So let's start with something simple. When somebody walks up to your door at your school, what do they see? Usually there's something, some sort of sign that says all visitors must report to the main office. Now that sign is important and communicates an important message. We care about the safety of our kids and we want people to go to the right place to check in. But what if you change that sign to be something that was more empathetic that said, we're so glad you're here come see us in the front office to get started on what to do. That's a much different way of saying the same thing that you need to check in at the office, but it makes you feel like you're wanted and accepted and welcomed at the school. And that's just a little thing for parents to feel. That's a little thing for students to see. That's a little thing for teachers to see, but those little kinds of changes can end up making a really big impact. And so instead of thinking, Oh, I've got it. I've been trying to be a leader and now I've got to actually like jump up to be a designer. It's not actually that hard. It just takes little steps and everybody can do it. Jethro, that's awesome. And we really like the granular detail there. I think everybody on the call is going to be looking at their signage when they get to school I tomorrow. Sure hope so. <laughs> uh, I wonder though, you talk a lot about empathy in the book. It's part of the design thinking process. How do you build that muscle so that you don't just walk past that sign and the normal things that do happen in a school so that you can become a more empathetic leader. Could you give some advice to our principal leaders? Yeah, what I really like about that question is that it gets at the core of what needs to happen, that you need to develop empathy. And the best way to develop empathy is to experience what other people are experiencing because it comes really fast. That's not always easy. So one thing I would suggest is doing a shadow a student 
and see what your students go through each day that they're a student. And the first time I did this, I was so bored during the day, I couldn't believe it. I was just dumbfounded at how bored I was during the day. And I felt like I was in middle school again. And I thought, this is not, this is not what we're trying to do at our school. We're not trying to be boring, but it just, it happened. And so we started talking about ways that we could make school more enjoyable for our students, doing different types of check-ins in each class, providing flexible seating, all these ideas started coming up. So I would suggest starting with something like shadowing a student and just go see what a student experiences one day so that you can experience it. Experiencing what they experience is the fastest way to gain empathy. The next best way besides experiencing it is to just go and talk and ask people what it is that they're experiencing. Because when you start asking them and you do interviews to to gain empathy, they're called empathy interviews, and you can look up on the internet a number of ways to do these, you start to experience how people are experiencing things and understand that a little bit better. So shadowing a student or a teacher or a parent and empathy interviews would be the two quickest ways to start developing that empathy muscle. Catherine, do you find when you go down this empathetic road that there's dissonance with high standards? And do you find sometimes if we hit more of these areas, then we start to lessen our expectations? Because I, I could just hear some people saying, well, I get that and I hear it, but you know, we got to get through this material. It's not always designed to be to be fun. Or like you said, you know, this is, this may be boring, but we got to push through. So how do we balance that for the, the naysayers that say, you know what, this isn't recess, this is pre-cal. Mm -hmm. Well, here's the fun part, to be honest. Once you start doing this design thinking work and you start solving problems in a different way, you learn that your students actually learn more, faster, and better than they did before. So as you start involving students in the process, they start to recognize the need for them to learn things that were never on our curriculum that they never needed to know how to do. And they'll go up above grade level to meet those things. So we did this with students at my middle school and I tracked students learning 34 different standards in one project that if the teacher would have planned for them to learn all these standards at, they were seventh graders, at eighth through 11th grade levels and tried to create a lesson plan for them to do it, it would have been a nightmare. No teacher would want to create a lesson plan like that. And yet these kids surpassed all these standards that were above their grade level. So this can actually happen and it does work, but it takes you thinking differently about the process. It's not about here's my lesson objective, here's the standard we're trying to reach, and how can we make sure kids get there? It's more, what is the project these kids are working on? What is it that they need to accomplish? And then what standards can I see by following them that they have accomplished by participating in this project? Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And it's definitely something that when we un unleash the talents of our people, they can they can do without the constraints that they might get in any other normal curriculum map. So as a principal, you talk about actually in the book, instructional leadership. I love that number one with an exclamation point is be in classrooms. Mm -hmm. 
How can you instill this type of thinking in the teachers and through the culture? And what have, how have you seen principals who you've coached do that well? Well, when you're in classrooms, a lot of us think that we need to be doing observations, giving teachers feedback, telling them what they're doing wrong, what they're doing right. And that's not really what the purpose of being in the classroom is. The purpose of being in the classroom is to see if your vision is being implemented. And so when you go into the classroom, you can see whether or not teachers are teaching how you think that they should, whether or not kids are engaging the way you think they should. And as you see that they're not, you just go back to this design thinking process and analyze, why isn't this working? Talk to the kids, talk to the teachers, see what's going on. And then you start implementing different things to help make it happen for that particular group. So instead of going into a classroom and saying, oh, the, the standard wasn't written on the board, so I'm going to make a big deal about the whole school having the standard written on the board. I'm going to work with that teacher specifically, with that group of students, and we're going to find out what we need to do to make it so that the what they're supposed to be learning is clear. Really simple approach. You work individually with the people that you're working with instead of making blanket commands and everybody has to do this now because one person wasn't doing it right. I mean, nobody likes that anyway, so you might as well get away from it. Yeah, through that's huge. It's uh, reminiscent of Todd Whitaker. I learned years ago about the individual who, the principal who puts the sign on the copy machine, you know, quit breaking it or quit doing this. And it's really just one or two teachers. Yeah, you just upset the whole faculty because you put that out there. And I do like the sensitivity to the needs of the teacher and making that direct to them. Um, let's get in a little deeper into like experience, but from the student side of things, if you were going to improve the student experience in every school, what would you want to see done? So the big end goal is that students have opportunities to say, this is what we need to be successful. So that's a pretty far away reach to get in most traditional schools. Because most of the time, we don't even ask students what, what matters to them. And sometimes we do it in a, in a non-supportive way where we give them a survey that's anonymous and we can never follow up with them. And I really like what Amy Fast did. And she talked about this on episode 132 of Transformative Principle, where she described how they went and got student perspectives. And they said, these surveys that we're giving are not anonymous but they are confidential. So we're going to share the information you share with the person who can help solve that problem for you. So if you feel like you don't have support at school, we're gonna assign a coach to you, a teacher who's a coach, to make sure you have support and we're gonna follow up. If you feel like you can't connect with others at school, we're gonna have the counselor reach out to you and talk about how to help you feel connected to the school. If you feel like you're not doing well in math, we're going to tell your math teacher, this kid needs some extra support. And by taking the student responses seriously and actually responding to the things that they say, anonymous surveys mean absolutely nothing because there's no way for you to know the context around that. So what Amy Fast did in her, in her school is she would go to the kids and actually ask them, this is what you wrote down. What do you mean by that? How can we understand what you're experiencing better? And then how can we make your experience better by understanding what you're doing? 
That's fascinating. And it's, it's, it's so critical to look through the lens of the student experience. Joe and I always talk about the difference between what we call a learning culture versus a teaching culture. And I, I really believe that that's part of it is that in a learning culture, we're trying to figure out what that experience is for the kid. You mentioned Amy Fast. We, we, we know her as well. You also mentioned Atomic Habit, Habits by James Clear. Can you give us some other resources that you would say go to, learn from here, this is the spot, these are the people? Yeah, so especially as what we're talking about with gaining empathy from teachers and students, I would highly recommend a book called The Coaching Habit by Michael Stinger. And that book is a fantastic book. It gives you seven questions to go through. Oh, are you holding it up? Look at that. Joe's on the money. So gives you seven questions to ask. And I use this all the time. And the questions are like a cheat sheet for how to get more, more response from the people that you're coaching. So one of them is what's going on. And then tell me more, what else is going on. And then the one that I really like a lot is asking people after you have a conversation, what was most valuable to you today? And I ask that every week when I'm coaching principals and the response, one, it helps them see that what they were doing was meaningful and worthwhile. And two, it helps them reflect on what they got out of the conversation. And if you leave a conversation and you can't think of anything that was valuable in that conversation, that's a problem, right? And you've got to be able to find something value in each of your in each of your conversations. So that would be a, a great book that I would suggest you read. And then one other one is one that I just recently learned about. It's called The Conscience Code by Richard Schell. And he's out at the Wharton School of Business at the University of Pennsylvania. And he talks about how to be a person of conscience. Because with whatever's going on in the world, there are values that we have that help us decide to do that or not to do that. And it's a really powerful way to be a person of conscience and to have, make sure you're making the decisions that are important and that you need to make without jeopardizing your values. And just this week in the mastermind with the principal, I asked as she was trying to make a hard decision, what are the values that you're adhering to that are supporting you make this decision? And when the question was framed like that, she had this epiphany that she was making the right choice, even though she was doubting it. She was doing what was right for kids, even though she wasn't totally sure. And she was doing the right thing, even though it was a hard thing to do. So the coaching habit and the conscience code are two that I just uh, keep going back to. Thank you, Jethro. Seriously, this was not pre-done. You can tell our, our audience, we didn't set that up, but it's amazing how, you know, things align and, um, you know, it is just very ironic. You know, I just started reading this book today, just today. And I really started reading it probably around, I don't know, three 30. I just wanted to open it. And it's funny how I was led to that. I TJ and I just had this conversation. I'm trying to get very particular about performance in my district and how do we ensure that what we're doing is aligned to our values and our our mission and then ultimately when we look at execution how am I empowering those when they're doing the work 
and then doing it through this coaching habit. And that's how I was led to that work. Would you mind just giving us a couple seconds on how you were introduced to the coaching habit or what led you to it? Obviously, your work with principles, but you still got to take some road there. Thoughts? Yeah. So it was actually Atomic Habits that I think led me to it, that I read Atomic Habits. And then I was thinking, what skill do I need to get better at? And coaching was one of them, since that's what I do now is coach principles. And so I I looked for a good coaching book and had heard of the coaching habit from other people before and wanted to just get a little bit better. And it's one of those books where I wanted to get 1% better, but then I ended up getting like 95% better. <laughs> so it turned out to be a really good find for sure. Yeah, and I think very often as administrators, we get used to telling. I think, I just to share my own story real quick, I took the DISC assessment, which many mm-hmm. people take the DISC assessment, but there's a portion of the DISC assessment called the work of leaders. And on the work of leaders, I'm very good at casting vision. I'm not so good at getting people necessarily to see that vision. So that can scare people that aren't necessarily within my my disc, if you will, or my my DI portion. Um, So I I, very similar to you, Jethro. And I can't say enough about atomic habits. I'm also habit stacking is something I still do. So who's ever listening, Atomic Habits is a must read. And one more side note, Richard Shell, we just posted our latest podcast, which is us interviewing Richard Shell on the conscious code. And if it, it just happens to be where UPenn is 45 minutes north of us, but they're a think tank organization. And really Richard Shell's work is phenomenal from being a conscious uh, leader, that we don't have the opportunity to run from things, that we have to face them. And that was the big takeaway with Richard Shell. But I actually fell in love with his work in a book called Springboard, which is about, you know, fulfillment in life and so forth. And, and speaking of fulfillment, um, Jethro, for you to feel like you've made just a tremendous impact in education, you know, principal, now you're working with principals, you're coaching. What would the next three to five years look like for you as a leader in education? You know, I think for me is I I worked in the system for many years, made some good impact on my students and teachers, and probably people hate me also. So, you know, there's always people who love you and people who hate you. So not going to pretend like everything was was perfect for everybody, but I worked really hard to make things great for the people that I worked with. And now it's it's different now because I can see how giving somebody someone else to go to who's not connected to the drama, to the politics, to the history of a place and helping that person figure out what the right thing to do in a given situation is really, really powerful. And I really enjoy that. I do have a goal to impact the lives of a hundred million kids in the next 10 years. And so that's what I'm going to be working on and just relaunch the the website transformativeprinciple.com to make it more clear that that's what I'm trying to do is help school leaders specifically and, and have an impact that way. So I've seen how it works when, 
people are trying really hard to be their best, but don't have support. And I've seen how it works when people are trying hard to be their best and they do have support. And I think everybody needs additional support, no matter how good or how bad you are, you need someone on the outside to, to bounce things off of, to push you to be better and to help you grow and develop in ways that weren't possible with your blinders on, which is what you have when you're just by yourself. That's an immense goal, Jethro. We hope that you get there and beyond. And we know that you're making an impact in the schools where, where you do coach and in the lives of the students in those schools. Is there a book you want to write or is there a book that you wish somebody would write? What's the topic of study these days for you and a place where you want somebody else to go and say, we all got to learn this thing and maybe you can contribute to it. Yeah, I actually am right in the middle of writing another book about how to be a transformative principal. Still don't know the title, but I've done 450 interviews on my podcast and that I feel like I've been able to learn in dog years and I kind of cheated by finding people who had the answers to the questions I was currently struggling with and interviewing them for my podcast. So instead of going through the pain of trying to figure something out, I just found the person who had the answer. And then I went and interviewed them and asked them how to do what I thought needed to be done. And that was a, a, a great thing. So I'm trying to write a book for principals that says, these are the things you need to be to be a transformative principal. These are the skills you need to have, the dispositions, the mindsets, and pull out the wisdom that I've gotten from those 450 plus interviews and share that with people. So that's what I'm currently working on. I did just release on uh, transformativeprincipal.com. One thing that people struggle with is they're doing great things in their school, but nobody's talking about it. And I was able to, well, I set a goal to get in the news uh, over the course of that year, one time every single month. And I did it. And in fact, I got in there 16 times over two years. And there was one time where it wasn't a good thing, but it happens, right? <laughs> so um, so I, I figured out how to get in the press locally. And that helped people see the great things that we were doing in our school. And so I made a little video series to help people do that at, uh, at transformativeprincipal.com. So that's another area, especially with all the struggle that we're going through and all the bad blood that's going on right now. I think having positive, uplifting stories of the good things we're doing is really important. And it's, it's all well and good for us to share it ourselves on our own social media, but it's much better when a credible third party comes in and shares it for us. And then we just get to piggyback off of what they say. So I'd encourage people to check that out if you want to get your school in the newspaper for good things. Absolutely, Jethro. So a couple of things are we'll link back to your show and some of the things that you've referenced and resourced. That's why we have you on Focus Ed now because of the great work you're doing. So if we're going to dig into this a little bit further, Jethro, I want to touch on, I love the idea of modeling, something Anthony Robbins, Tony Robbins talks about all the time. If you find somebody doing what you want to do, just model it and you'll save yourself a heck of amount of time. Your, your next book coming out is about transformation, being a transformative principle. The audience members today, many of them we know very well, are very good leaders. They're impactful. They lead with their hearts and their heads. 
What is one piece of advice you can give them that they should start doing tomorrow based on that research, based on being a transformative leader? Um, give us a little window into that book, if you would, put you on the spot there. But yeah. starting tomorrow, what should, what should someone like Nick Hoover do? who already has a tremendous reputation, is a great leader, you know, what should he start doing tomorrow for all of our audience? Yeah, I think if you're already doing a lot of great things, the next step is really to ask people how they can contribute to that vision. So if your vision's already out there, go ask people what it is that they can do to help make things happen. So if you if you want to have like a high performing school, go start asking your teachers, how do you want to contribute? And when you get them to start contributing in a way that they are excited and positive about, you're going to see some amazing things happen. And they're going to do things that you never thought were possible. If you're really brave, go start asking students what they want to do to contribute to the vision and ask them, how can we make our school better? This is what we're trying to be. What do we need to get there? And then, if you're super brave, actually do what they suggest. That's a fantastic place to uh, wrap up, Jethro. It's awesome advice for the leaders on the call, the leaders who are listening. Get out there and ask people how they can contribute. How can we be better at what we're trying to do? Phenomenal reflection quest questions, Jethro. This was great. We really appreciate your time. We know you're a busy guy. Is there anything else that you would like to add for the audience, a request that you have, a, a place that they should go, anything else for, for our guests? I mean, thank you for this opportunity. I love talking about this nerdy principal leadership stuff. It's just a ton of fun for me. So just go to transformativeprincipal.com. And if you want to reach out and connect, let's do it. Otherwise, there's a lot of stuff there that can help you out. Thank you, Jethro. Fantastic, folks. You heard it here on Focus Ed. Jethro Jones, everyone, a virtual round of applause from our studio audience. Thank you. Don't forget to follow the schoolhouse302.com for podcasts, blog posts, books to read, and more, including this podcast when it comes out of production. We'll be back soon with another episode of Focus Ed. Until then, stay focused. And now a word from our sponsors. Hey, Joe, you know what leaders need these days? What's that, TJ? Sleep. A good night's rest. Self-care. We've heard it over and over and over again from our guests on the podcast that you can't pour from an empty cup. Leaders need sleep. One of the number one ways you can replenish yourself and lead better is a good night's sleep. I hear you, but you know what? I'm so tired. I don't even like thinking about, you know, getting a good night's sleep. But, you know, do tell, how do we go about getting better sleep? Well, I think that's part of your problem is you need a better bed. It always starts with the bed. That's why we recommend Ghostbed, our sponsor, with 30,000 plus five-star reviews. Their patented sleep and cooling technology gets you to sleep faster and longer than any other bed. That's right. And their handcrafted mattresses come with a hundred and one night at home sleep trial and a two times the industry standard warranty. They're absolutely certain that their beds will work for you. And with free shipping within 24 hours of your purchase, it's fantastic support from the company. 
And guess what? Just for being a listener at the Schoolhouse 302, you get 30% off with the use of our code SH302 at checkout. You go to ghostbed.com. You get some sleep so that you can lead better and grow faster. You use SH302 at checkout. Absolutely. And last thing, even if you don't need a bed, you're thinking, wow, I would love to try out ghost bed, but I just bought a bed. Refer someone else for a bed at ghostbed.com. You'll get a hundred bucks for helping someone else get a good night's rest. Wow. That's 30% off with SH302 code at ghostbed.com. A hundred bucks for your referral. If you get somebody else a good night's sleep, better sleep for you, better leadership, ghostbed.com. You can't beat it. Ghostbed.com.